Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst. The trailer booking at Billy Bones. Apollo Dickerville. West Ham Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Um, uh, it's season seven and episode 15. And tonight with me is Nigel. What are you up to? Where are you? I'm in my office. Excellent. And, and just to tell everyone, this is take two, because in his office, not in his shed... He had a power car, so we had to abandon the first take. So uh, we're going to have to do it all over again. And 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 so I'm going to say for the second time, back by popular demand, is Ian Dale. Good evening, Ian. Uh, what are you up to? Where are you? I am in my sitting room in Pembury near Tunbridge Wells. Um, raced home to do this and uh, very frustrated that the first one went wrong. But there we go. It happens. So that's uh, we've got no we've got no John we've got no George. Uh, fact is sometimes stranger than fiction. They're actually a comedy show tonight. I I kid you not. Uh, it's called the West Ham Way. Oh, oh. <laughs> getting the jokes in early. Anyway, we've got a football match to discuss before we move on to the uh, elephant in the room uh, or Slavin Village, as we like to call him. Um, what happened on Saturday is well known. Nigel, I know you were there. I was there. Tell us about I it. I was there. Poor defensively. Got let down by the players. Again, um, he put out the best team for me that he could possibly put out. The first goal, you could blame. Well, not blame Fernandes. You can see he dived in early. That's an experience down to age. So it's hard to just blame him for that as such. But from then on, it was downhill, really, wasn't it? And it's a shame that such a good Lanzini goal gets spoilt by the other four at the other end. Do, do you blame um, Slaven with his, his set-up? Was, was his team selection uh, fit for purpose to face Liverpool from the people he had? Well, we picked the team that I'd have picked. <laughs> As I, as I as I guessed it would be uh, before the game. Well, actually, so, I've um, I've got something to talk to you about that because Shedman, <laughs> I mean, releasing the team like four hours before kickoff, don't you think that gave 
and Liverpool an unfair advantage of knowing what the team was? Yeah, well, I'm so well known, isn't it? They're obviously all following me. They've obviously clocked what I put out, what my guess of to the team well, was. Well, it's a lucky guess, say. was it? It was a very lucky guess. I don't know how I would have guessed that, but I did. Uh, I should have put that on Ian's predictor on his website. I'd have got some points there, I'll tell you, with that team. I oh, did. Oh, Ian, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. So, so, uh, that was cheating, well, I guess. It's a lucky was. guess. You oh, you had a lucky guess as well, Ian. Yeah. What? Why do you think it wasn't lucky? <laughs> well, because you well, it... on and you <laughs> you told people. <sighs> shocking, shocking. <laughs> the days, the days of secrecy and no leaks in in team selection are long gone. Uh-huh. Anyway, back to the game. Uh, you know, um, nice Spitfire outside, a nice mosaic remembrance, and the bugler. Um, Actually, can Any I just say, they did that well. They did do that well, actually. The club did that well. That looked impressive. From then on, it didn't go to plan. But I thought we started, if you think, are you at the post after 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, difficult shot at an angle. Could have done better, maybe. But I thought we had a bright start. And then the goal just... When we go one one down at home, you can. it's almost like the life gets sucked out of us. Um. And I think their second goal was lucky, in a way. Their bloke missed it, bounced off Noble's knee. Hart, good save. Tapping. 2-0. We all knew what was going to happen then. 2-0. Let's talk about the first goal first. I mean, it'll be easy to blame Aaron Cresswell. Uh, Why? But Well, because he was the lone man back there. But hold up, he's Um, the man that stayed back. Fernandez dives in. You think that was just Fernandez being a bit naive because yeah, that's because that's action, a lack yeah. of that's that's youth and plus he's not a defender, is he? So yeah. that's uh, uh, that's a natural thing for a midfielder to do. What he did there to go in, but he was a right back. Remember, shouldn't shouldn't the other centre back been back with? Um, well, I where don't were the know. centre backs? Your centre backs are in there to score goals. I mean, if Ogbonna had stayed back against Tottenham, we wouldn't have got the third goal. So, considering your centre-backs are generally your tallest players, you have them in the box at a corner. I think it was one of those cases where the stars just aligned for Liverpool. The ball fell perfectly for them. Um, We can blame Fernandes all we like, but actually it was just one of those things that I don't think... You you could argue he shouldn't have gone in for it, but it was just one of those things that you just have to put down to experience. And as Nigel said for the second goal... I mean, it, it, it was nearly an own goal that Hart saved and it fell to a Liverpool player. Well, what, what, was there really a defensive error there? Probably not. There, there certainly was for the last two. Hmm. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Neil. You, you weren't at the game, were you, Ian? But you no, were watching I, I, on I, TV. I watched it at home. Um, I, I was, well, I was in Norfolk for the weekend, so... Um, normally Liverpool it's one of those games you'd like definitely want to go to but um, something told me that this wasn't going to be our finest hour who had your tickets in? Um, should I reveal who had my tickets? well I'll just say it's a female Liverpool supporting MP Esther McVeigh no I was the only one I know yes again so she would have been very happy. So, yeah, she did actually refrain from texting me after the final whistle, which was very good of her. I, I, I think that's that's very good. So you had the benefit of replays, which we didn't. You know, we felt we were we, we felt 
quite hard done by by the referee. He didn't seem to be giving very much our way. Uh, but you you had replays to see some of those incidents. Were, were we hard done by the referee or was it just pretty shocking? Well, I think we were, but I've come to a conclusion that um, I think that referees who referee West Ham at home always give decisions against us. Whereas I went to the Selhurst, to Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park, where I was sat in amongst the Crystal Palace ultras, and the, the, several of them actually recognised me, which I was thinking, oh my God, <laughs> this could be terrible. Um, but they were actually very good. And the referee. They let in you that bang match, their drum. Yeah, the the referee in that match was com- it seemed to be completely on West Ham's side. Virtually every decision went our way, apart from the penalty, which I thought was a bit soft. But uh, in sort of fifty fifty fouls, always went our way. Whereas against Liverpool, it was the other way. There were several occasions, certainly in the first, I remember in the first half an hour, where he deliberately let the game go on when he should have given us. Uh, a foul um i think that was more in the first half than the second half but maybe we notice it more when we're at home i don't know but i i felt that i don't think there were any match changing decisions that he got wrong but he certainly didn't give us the benefit of the doubt in any sort of clashes between two players so ian from from your armchair did would you blame any of the players for the performance or was it collectively a, a bad day in the office I think the key moment for me, and you, you saw this clearly on the TV screen, which you probably wouldn't have done at the ground because you'd have been too far away, Nigel, um, was when Mark Noble, was, he'd Bill. got the ball, <laughs> he'd got the ball uh, around the halfway line and he wanted to go forward, which let's face it, is fairly unusual for Mark Noble nowadays. And, and he couldn't because there was no one to pass to. And he passed the ball back and I think it went out of play. And he sort of raised his arms and actually said well run for the fucking ball and you could just see that was what he was saying no one wanted the ball and that that was the case on quite a few occasions and i think lanzini played reasonably well as nigel said it's a brilliant goal that he he scored um but if you went through the rest of the team hernandez was virtually anonymous for the whole game um obiang i didn't really think contributed an awful lot uh i don't think I seem to be all over the place. I think if he'd scored that goal on 10 minutes, I mean, it might have been a very different game. Who knows? Because it, it, th- this team is a team that, if it's confident, they play brilliant football. And there were flashes of that in the first half an hour where they were knocking the ball around quite nicely. But as the game went on and when the, the first two goals went in, like Nigel said, you, you sort of you, you saw what was going to happen. And then they flattered to see by scoring one. You thought, well, maybe this could turn it round. And as so often this season, they then conceded another goal. And that that did knock the stuffing out of them. And then, of course, came the fourth and it, there was no going back from there. Yeah, I mean, people started leaving after the third goal um, and it started emptying fourth goal. Uh, John and George left, I must say, I don't know if they're not here to defend themselves, but they left on the fourth goal. Yeah, to be fair, uh, they did the bar early, though, didn't they, for us? <laughs> you, you actually, uh, I will say... Both Nigel, uh, George, and John were were pretty slaughtered uh, by, uh, by just after full time. I went, I met them in Stour Place in the uh, the new supporters club, uh, and, and you you lot had pretty much a skinful, weren't you? Well, I Nigel, I was that bad. Sorry. <laughs> well, certainly the other two were. I don't know about you. Well, yeah. So you were there. I could spot you way up in the gods. Only because uh, I'm saying I can see you. With your flat cap, 
Yeah. Keep your head warm. You stay to the bitter end. Yes. I always, I generally do stay to the bitter end. So, so you, you never know what can happen. Miracles do sometimes happen. Sometimes the opposition score. Well, generally, actually, this season. But, yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll go to the end. Thank the players. Well, if, give them a clap. If you stayed a little bit longer, by the way, you could have seen uh, a YouTube uh, crew break it into <laughs> the ground. As everyone was streaming out, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this video again, but yeah, people were breaking that. in. And this guy from Southampton broke in and jumped on to the roof again. Well, I, I watched the first few minutes of it and then stopped because I just thought, what a prick. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I spoke to London Stadium today. They're, they're slightly embarrassed about it. Well, um, considering said, up, you've done them down a bit, a security guard clocked them. And yeah, no, she stopped them. Escorted them off. Out. And this is yeah, the funny she thing did. for people that haven't seen it. So he gets escorted off of the island, which is where West Ham yeah. security finishes. He then walks to roughly where the Mittal Tower is, goes into a bush, comes out wearing an iron vie. And that's all he's done, put an eye by A high visibility desk. Walks up and says he's a photographer, know. makes up some bloke's name and some dickhead lets him in. Yeah, he says, he says I'm an apprentice for a photographer to take pictures of the pitch. And they go, oh, yeah, come on. Well, who, who, who are you reporting to? Jonathan Hill. All right, okay. I don't know who Jonathan Hill is, but come in. Yeah. Anyway, we, we digress. Um, it, yeah, it, it, was, it was one of those... Uh, it emptied... Andy Carroll spoke about this today, saying people shouldn't... I'm going to ask you, Nigel, uh, and then Ian. Uh, Andy Carroll says people shouldn't vote with their feet and walk out of games. Do you agree with him? It's not something I tend to do. I did on the Swansea game, but then again, I shouldn't have been at the Swansea game from a start. So, and if we were 4-0 up, I'd have been leaving early for the Swansea game. So that's the only time I've done it this mm. season. I personally don't do it. I'll never criticise people for making their own choices. Everybody's got a decision to make. I think a lot of it's allied to the fact that it's a long old slap back to Stratford. And it is, yeah. If, and the DLR wasn't yeah, working as well. Yeah, and if everybody well. left at the same time, you know that can be up to an hour for some people. And they just think, 4-1 down. It's bad, you know, with still 20 minutes plus injury time to go people were pouring out it's a sad I, I don't usually do it be honest I don't usually do it but I did it at Brighton yeah. I will admit I, I just had enough um, but it it was an exception I stay to the end this time even though um, I will say again John and George didn't um, are, are you an early leaver Ian? Um, not generally. I might leave a couple of minutes before the end because you just want to avoid the crush. But if I'm going back on the train into central London, then I will leave on about 88 minutes. Uh, if I'm driving, I stay to the end. But Andy Carroll, I think, has got a bit of a cheek here. Wouldn't it be nice if he stayed on the pitch to the end a few, on a few occasions rather than get sent off or go off injured? Yeah, <laughs> you've got, got a good point there. No, uh, yeah, he's, he's right. To be fair, I think it is a bit of a liberty for Carroll to come out and say that. When players have a pop at fans, you know, that's they've got this as if yeah. they've got short memories. It never ends well, does it? Anyway, let's do a no. quick stat attack before we move on. Uh, obviously, uh, West Ham didn't have the possession, 48% to Liverpool's 52. West Ham had six shots, one of them on target, and that was Lanzini It went on. The Reds had 15 shots, seven on target, four of them went in. 
so it wasn't surprising the end result. Um, Liverpool... Hold up there. Go on. Let's take a positive out of that. Go on. Hundred percent record there for shots on target. The goals. <laughs> I mean, even Liverpool can't claim that. You you are correct in in that that um, excellent because I know how you love your stats. Uh, hold up, uh, and was it not the fact that we had two shots on target against Palace the week before? Do I hear yeah. the straws being yeah. touched? So therefore, in our last two league games, we've got a hundred percent conversion rate. Shots on target. That's impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. And we've still sacked him. I I was about to go to uh, the last gaffer, but I'm asked one question that's just come up and I was going to ask earlier. What's going on with Hernandez? Is little P just not performing? Is he not getting the, the right balls in? You know, he's supposed to be a fox in the box and some balls have come in with him. He just doesn't seem to be a sharp. Well, hang on a minute, because the goal he scored at Palace was absolute quality, and that was a world-class goal. Yep. And he has scored four goals. How many games have we played this season so far? Is it 11, 12? 11 um, in the league. That's not a bad return rate. Um, bear in mind that we haven't actually played to his strengths, and I always think if you're going to play a particular striker, you, you do have to make the formation revolve around them. We, we don't always do it when Andy Carroll's playing. We certainly haven't done it for him. And I don't think we can, although he has been, his performance in that game was disappointing and it has been in one or two games. But the the best thing that the new manager could do, which I know we're going to come on to, is say to him, right, you are the key to this team. You are the one that's going to get the goals. Um, And actually consult him on what he wants from the formation, because I'm not sure anybody's actually asked him yet. And I'm not sure that Bilic ever knew how to play him properly. Well. Hold that thought. We're going to talk more about that later. Can I just say, he's more like a mushy pen than a, than a little pen. Great. It, it don't look right, and it just ain't working. By the and way... Probably was better off up uh, There's a 2015 story how he said he didn't get on with Moyes uh, before. I don't know quite. I haven't read the story yet, but uh, let's hope that's not the case. Anyway, not prejudging stuff. For the very last time, let's hear the sure, sure. Let's see what the gaffer had to say. Slavin, you wanted a reaction from your players. Did you see it in the first half? We saw something in the second half. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, we started well. Uh, first 20 minutes, we had a chance. Uh, they had a ball possession, but, but we were all in a good shape behind the ball. Uh, exactly what we wanted. We were really well covering the space behind us. Uh, that they are good with 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 the pace of money, with the pace of uh, Salah and them. But then we conceded two goals, uh, very cheap or great counter attack from them, and the second one from the set piece. And then uh, we tried to come back in the second half. We changed the shape. We were more open. We were taking the risk and came back with a goal. But then conceded straight away. And then after that, uh, we tried, but it's difficult. They, are, they, we knew they had that uh, kind of a pace on counter attacks and and strength. But uh, big defeat for us. Yeah. So how do you explain those defensive lapses? Is it lack of concentration, quality? What is it? Effort? It's not the effort. You know, we we can't talk about lack of lack of effort today. It's like. Uh, the first goal is, is counter-attack, the ball dropped for them brilliantly. Our one player who was there in front of the box 
didn't react really well. And then, then when they are when they're in a good shape with money with uh, Salah and them, it's hard to defend that counter attack. But we should have. Uh, you 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 can't. Con there's no excuse to concede a goal from from your corner kick. To be fair, then straight away the second one came, which we can call lapse of concentration or or, or unluckiness. But 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 it is uh, on this level when you concede a couple of goals that early against such a strong side, it's 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 not game over because still there's a lot of to play. But but uh, it's very difficult to come back. So what happens now? Are you determined to carry on? I know you believe in yourself. Yeah, I have to talk uh, talk to the chairman and all that. Uh, and of course, we're going to discuss this uh, defeat because it is not the first one. It it is the it is the second in a row at home, and it's a very difficult uh, situation. If you are talking for me, of course. But the club is above everything uh, and everyone, and uh, that's all I can say now. You know. Do you believe in yourself still? I always believe in myself, you know, I wouldn't be here otherwise, you know, uh, I do, I do. And do you think they're backing you in the same way? Uh, look, it's hard for me to talk about that now, you know, I can understand everything. Absolutely, thank Cheers. you. Thank you. What do you think about that then, Nigel? <laughs> uh, the way he defended his players there um, uh, sums it up for me, the way he took the blame himself he was a broken man wasn't he and you, you just knew what was going to happen next and uh it probably came as no surprise uh well it didn't to me uh, I, I went on talk sport at, at 5 45 this morning to talk it. about it i know i was um i, I woke up at 5 43 by the way set my alarm to, and you, you can hear you think it listens to talk sport at 5 45 in the morning the night They're shift going on no, they're all listening to Steve Allen on LBC. Well, that's who I was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, I only listened okay. to it because Sean texted it to me. <laughs> Which I did have a few people who did listen. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had some people who did listen to it that were sad enough to be up at that time. Um, but we knew it was going to happen. Um, it, it was Karen Brady who delivered the, the, the last hatchet. Um she went to Rush Green. Uh, the players had a day off. They they weren't there today. Um, I, I'm told it was a very respectful um, and it was very honourable and very professional. Um, um, but but ultimately, obviously, we all know he got the sack. Um, he gets, <laughs> and obviously the backroom boys go, uh, they get about £3 million between them, which is not a bad day's work, is it, to uh, fail and get that much money. I'm just thinking, how funny would it have been, right, if Karen sits there and right at the last minute she gets Ann and Sugar to walk in and go, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would have been funny, wouldn't it? Come on. Ann and Sugar's hiding behind the door, Slavin's getting the old speech, and then she goes... Only if it was caught on camera. Isn't it? Hey? Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't watch the programme anyway, so I wouldn't know what you're talking about, oh, Nigel. you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't watch it because she's on it, to be fair. I used to watch it before she turned up. Anyway, let's start with you, Nigel, because I know you've got views on this. Did they make the right decision in sacking him? Should they have given him more time? Did they go around letting him go in the right way? This is this is your soapbox. I, I can argue for and against. So, personally, 
I would have given him till the Leicester job. I think I think we're playing a lot better uh, away from home than we are at home. And I'm not going to actually blame the stadium, but there's obviously something of why we're playing better away from home. We're unbeaten since August away from home. I'll caveat that. We've not won either. <laughs> We've drawn three games. But personally, I'd have given him till the Leicester game to see what happens against Watford and then Leicester. Because if we took four or six points out of those two games, we can stabilise it. Now, personally now, I think he was set up for a fall. It was put out by people like you and all the others. He had two games to save his job. Tottenham, Palace. Beats Tottenham, draws with Palace. The players let him down against Palace. Then what? So basically, they were waiting for the defeat that we have every season. There's always a team that turns up, or more than one team that turns up and smashes us. It's almost as if, oh, we'll keep putting it off till we have a bad defeat, then we'll sack him. So in that case, for me, spineless from the board. Absolutely spineless. I don't think if I ever see lost two a... games, by the way. Oh, listen. <laughs> and I don't think other people. That was a media oh, right. story. I, I can tell you, the sources, my sources tell. Never, there was never, it was a number of games. In fact, I was right, being so told the right, opposite. It told... weren't then. All right, let's go then it weren't. So off of the back of this one defeat then, yeah, he gets sacked. Is that what you're saying? They thought. I think they thought he ran out of ideas and he lost the dressing right. room. Um, I got told by a number of senior people that they wanted him to turn it around and get to the summer, and that's that's really what they wanted to do. I think I think the decision to sack him was made very I've, very recently. I think that we had this discussion earlier. Now I'll go. I think he got sacked because of there was such a storm now of toxicity surrounding him on social media drummed up by a lot of people go on name them no I ain't gonna name them because I you know have them beaten down with oh you said this you said that you're all collective responsible in my opinion for putting out you can put out pro stuff and you can put out negative stuff and it whips the people up it turns people against Billich. I'm telling you, if the fans weren't against Billich, he wouldn't have been sacked. The fans turned against Billich. Now, the problem you get is, you can't sack the players, you can't sack the fans, you can't sack the chairman, yeah? Because they're not going to sell up and go. The only way to, to stop the toxic atmosphere is to make a change. Therefore, the only change left available is the manager. So, therefore, now this is where I argue against myself, therefore, Billich in a way had to go because you couldn't allow this toxic atmosphere to carry on. Yeah, and that's the problem because if you want if you if you want to get rid of a toxic atmosphere, there are certain people that you don't appoint, which I know you're going to come on to in a minute, but we we will. I'm going to come to you about Billy though, Ian. I mean, I, I I was accused actually on your own website, West Ham Till I Die, on my <laughs> column, and I'm sure you read it. I I was almost hounded off there twice in my two views about. Slavin Billy. You've written for it since, have you? I, I haven't. <laughs> I can probably come back now, Ian, because yeah, uh, if you would, yeah, um, your 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 readers sort of hounded me off twice from the last two uh, columns I wrote. But you know, I don't take it personally. I've got very thick skin. You have to be such a snowflake. <laughs> so, where do you stand uh, with the whole Billich thing? Was was 
was the position untenable? Do you agree with Nigel that he was handed out by um, fan power? Well, that's probably got a little to do with it. It normally does when a manager loses a job. It's very rare that a, a club will sack a, play, a, a manager that is really popular with the fans. Now, Bilic has been popular. He was popular as a player until he left, and he, he's been popular as a manager. And if you look at some of the polls that various websites have conducted over the past 48 hours... Would you rather have Billich continue or have David Moyes? Um, I think most of them have come out in Billich's favour. So I think we're all agreed. We all like Slavin Billich. We all respect him. But I think he had, at least in part, lost the dressing room. I think many of his tactical decisions have proved to be uh, bizarre, to say the least. Some of his substitutions have been a, a little bit odd. Now, you can blame all sorts of things. But in the end, the buck does stop with the manager. And... You look at some of the statistics that have been thrown around over the last few days, particularly on player fitness. We're, we're, we're bottom of the league in terms of miles run per game, I understand. That probably says something. Um, if, if you're not giving your all for your manager, you're probably not running as much as you ought to. Now, you don't win a football match just by running, clearly. But I think that, that there are problems on the fitness side. Why is it that we've conceded so many goals in the last five or ten minutes? That has to be partly due to concentration and fitness. Um, not all to do with it, but that, that, that will play a part. So I, I didn't want Bilic to go. Uh, I've never been... Some, I, mean, I certainly wanted Allardyce to go when he went, but I, I've never been a, 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 one of the people who just wanted Bilic out, come what may. <laughs> uh, I think he probably ought to have gone in the last international break, and I, I think it's, it is right that he's gone now. Um, however... Uh, given the choice of Billich or Moyes, I know which one I would want to play for. Okay, hold that thought. I mean, just to add to the conversation, it will come no surprise that I've been on the, you know, I thought Billich should have gone in the summer. I blame the board for not acting in the summer. Um, we knew there were problems at the training ground. I thought they should have changed the backroom team. Um, I, I, I understand they did consider it, but they bottled out because they thought that maybe Village would walk. You know, you've got a 69-year-old handball coach in charge of fitness. You've got Julian Dix. No one really knows what he does. You've got the rest of the team. We hear that people turned up late. People were strolled in. Um, people had extra time off. And, and, and there, there were rumours of holiday camp. Um, heard that when... Academy players went off to the first team. They came back slightly more unfit. There must be some smoke, you know, no mm -hmm. smoke without fire. The the substitutions, the tactics, playing people out position, it, it, it just wasn't consistent enough to me. And I said this, I've said this consistently. It's why I was beaten up by on West Ham till I die of my views. I was accused of being a club stooge and I'm just sending the agenda of of the board but I think they actually opposite I think they stuck by him too long I thought that they should have sacked him a lot earlier in the summer hold uh, up hold up go on um, hold up in, we've just sacked a man that in his first season took us to our second best ever finish in the Premier League he got lucky. the most amount of points and the first ever positive goal difference in the Premier League. Yeah. One season. Not wonder. only that, in his second. Hold up. Not only that, in his second season, he took us to eleventh, which is a position that is possibly roughly where West Ham would be expected to finish. How in those two seasons, two full seasons out, from the board's perspective, he's achieved a near correct finish. Yeah. So the money that would have brought in. 
the money you brought in by finishing seventh, qualifying for Europe again, how is that conducive to failure? So actually, business club wise, he was a success or he achieved what he was set out to achieve. Allardyce was never sacked because he kept achieving what he was the tasks he was achieving. Yet Billich has been sacked. But look, look at the investment that was made into him. Let's look at the transfer market. Oh, da, 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 da. No, 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 forget about that, and I'll tell you why. Because you know people can bang on about Arnautovic being twenty-four million yeah. pound. He's a AU. good player. Zaza. He had to be paid. Yeah, but Caleri. Transfers are inflated because of the TV. It's money. Not grass. I could go on. All, all billet signings. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, of course, you'll say that because this is what the club now want you. No, to no, 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 no. Caleri, Caleri was not a billet signing. All right, Caleri so Caleri, Caleri might right, be the exception in there. Um, oh, just that one. But but no, Zaza, Zaza was a billet signing. Tor, Gok and Tor. All uh, oh, right, hold up. Listen to Zaza now. We, you know. Was Zaza a good player? Well, yeah. he must be. He's doing well in Spain. Yeah. Just he didn't fit into British football. It was a gamble. Didn't pay off. Sacco was a gamble. Tor. Paid off. Gok and Tor. Yes. Can't <laughs> when, answer listen, that when one. You can buy, you players to I, yeah, I can because when you buy every, any foreign player, they're all gambles. Snodgrass. They're all gambles. Well, he's Scottish. He's <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, he's doing well, he's doing well for yeah, Villa now. And he seems to be motivated. But you heard what he said. He said he didn't even know where I played. He said, where do you want me to play? I'm sorry. I'd, I, listen, he says that after he leaves the club because he's been shown the door after six months. He's embarrassed. Of course he's going to have a dig. Anyway, it's water under the bridge. Slav has gone. He was a nice bloke. Well done, Slav. We want to thank you for all the... You know, for me, right, I want to thank you for that night in Wembley just last week myself and Nigel get covered in beer or whatever it was uh, for that 3-2 win over Spurs thanks Slav and, and good luck for the future but we have to move on and just just on that though, I, I'd, I'd like to thank him for the 3-2 victory over Manchester United the last game at Upton yeah. Park because that meant oh, yeah. just as much to him as it meant to us and the statement that the club allowed him to put on the website today says a lot about the man He's a, he is a proud man he is and I, I don't think there is there are any West Ham fans that harbour any ill will towards him at all no. um, he, he does he does live it in a sense like we do I mean clearly it's, the, the, it's not quite the same as we do but he did care and that's what you want from a manager with Allardyce you never really got the impression that he gave a flying whatever yeah that's well, there's true. one bit let me just say this yeah because there's one bit in his farewell stuff on the, on, on the put together by the club obviously on the website where he put he hoped to continue to close the gap between expectation levels and reality and for me that it's a nail on the head there's the expectation levels of the club brought on by the owner's statements throughout the years of their ownership. And then there's reality of West Ham. And the reason why I've always been perceived as being negative is because I live in reality. I know what West Ham are. And it don't bother me that they're that type of club. How boring to live in reality. I know. It's shocking, isn't it? That's what 40 years of watching them does. You need to be a dreamer. Exactly. You've got to have dreams. I mean... why? Why should we always have to accept mediocrity? Why? Why shouldn't? Why it's shouldn't not about accepting. I'm oh, sorry. It's not about accepting mediocrity. Medior- <laughs> I can't even say the bloody word. That's, that's what a Cunningham education does for you. I can't even speak it, let alone spell it. But basically, it's not about accepting that word. 
it's about understanding that West Ham is the type of club where we didn't go to... I wasn't brought up to believe that we were going to win the championship, that we were the best team in the country. I was brought up that we would play good, decent football. We'd win, we'd lose. We'd beat good teams, lose to crap teams. We'd beat crap teams, then lose to good teams. That's the way it's always but been. But we were also brought up to believe that That's every so often be. we would win something. And the last time we won something, I was 18. And I'm, and I'm 55 now. Hold up, Ian. Ian. Yeah, but Ian, we've only ever... And this is the thing. You say that, yeah? That's because we've come along in the 16-year period that West Ham ever won trophies. 16 years out of 117. A 16-year period that West Ham won every trophy ever won. That's about time we started again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. Right. Now, no, I don't disagree, yeah, but there's there's a way of doing it, and the way the club have gone about it is the wrong way. All right. Well, we'll talk about subject. that. We, we will talk about that in a minute with, with uh, talking about David Moyes. But, you know, what... I heard um, is the board wanted to wait to the summer. You know, they had targets such as whether Rafa Benitez would, would leave uh, Liverpool, whether they could persuade Mancini, Pellegrini, um, and I'm trying to think of some other ones. Conte, I mean, who, what, what who you we, know. What's the one to any of those? Mourinho, for? who? Um, if you read... You read any any books by former Liverpool players Ancelotti. about Benitez, and you would not want him to manage West Ham United. Um, do we want Pellegrini? I'm not sure we do. Why, why on earth can't we find good young British managers who we can give a chance to? They don't have to have been sort of managing a top Premier League side. You, surely we have people who can identify good up-and-coming managers. There, there, are, there are plenty out there if we look hard enough. Well, he's one. Eddie Howe's another. But there Sean are plenty Dice. in the lower leagues who I actually think could... I mean, the, the guy, I can't... <laughs> gonna, I'm going to argue against myself now because I can't remember the guy's name. But the, the one, And I know it's like sort of from the sublime to the ridiculous here. 
but the guy who manages Lincoln City, who brought them up from the non-league, uh, had that marvellous cup run last season. I mean, should, should we not be looking at sort of young managers who could be given an opportunity, or do we always have to go for essentially people who failed in the past? Because that's what we've done. In the, you look at Avran Grant, you look at Sam Allardyce, you look at David Moyes, you look at Slavin Bilic Next to a certain level. extent. None of them have actually succeeded in the way that you would traditionally define success. But then Ian Ron Greenwood never succeeded at anything before he joined West Ham. Well, he hadn't he, actually managed he, the football. He won a club, club final. Ron Greenwood. Well, no, well, well yeah. fair enough. But I'm not saying we should pick people who've got no experience at all. But nobody's telling me that in in the championship or even in League One, oh, my microphone's just fallen over. <laughs> there aren't people who are capable of doing a job at a high level. It's like young players. Why is it that we feel we have to go and buy all these foreign players now when there are very good young players in the lower leagues, but we don't seem to look at them anymore, or very rarely? And if and if we do sign them, like Sam Byram, they get treated like a piece of meat. Uh, and they never get a run in the side to prove what they can do. They just get the odd game here and there. And then if they make the odd mistake like Declan Rice did, they're out. Right, there is an explanation for that, Ian. And the explanation is that the owners in moving this club I'm not saying just to the stadium, but from 2010 onwards, they spouted a word that I always said from the day they spouted it would be a noose around their neck, and it was called next level. Because young up-and-coming English managers are not next-level managers, yeah? Young footballers are not next-level footballers. Next-level footballers, if you want to get the next level, Span City, the first thing they did when they got bought was buy Robinho. He was a next-level player. That's well, I don't know if Pyatt was a next level player actually. He was a virtual unknown. Well he proved to, to be, be whether they intended him to be is another matter. Well, yeah, that but that was one see what I'm saying is Man City then went out they straight away and then they brought other people. Rubinho was just a start. Mm -hmm. He weren't actually there when they won the title, was no. he? Oh. But it showed what they wanted. That took Man City to the next level. You tell me where they're going to do that, the owners. And this is what boils down to. Everything you said is not a next-level West Ham. If they'd never said that, I don't think after the reaction would yeah, be I happening. know you won't agree with this. It made a rod for their own back, and I hope I it chokes them. I know you won't them. agree with this, but really we, we do have a next-level stadium. Uh, oh, and, even and that's unfortunately, we Well, it's not. It if is. You, it, in, in all aspects, that stadium is a next-level stadium compared to Upton Park. It can the only next level is where Arsenal The only next level is where well, Arsenal you know, is. Fair enough. In terms of, in the long term, attracting better players, that oh. stadium in itself ought to, ought no, to attract better players. No, footballers do not play. They're not join a club think, do you know what? I think the stadium's good. Our well, stadium's going to be I, an you know, embarrassment. I'll tell you what, having been to Selhurst Park for the first yeah. time in 15 years, I sat there thinking, You're outnumbered. My yeah. God, we've got a fantastic stadium compared to this. And if you. If you but isn't if that you, funny? Because if, if you'd have sat in with your away fans, then you might have heard fans going, Do you know what? It's a bit of a shithole. But I actually prefer it here. Well. Because it's a proper old football stadium. It may be, but if you if you're a footballer who's on fifty grand a week and you get the choice of going to somewhere like West Ham with it with a great stadium and Crystal Palace with a horrible stadium, I know which one I'd pick. Yeah, but they would pick West Ham because West Ham's a bigger club than Crystal Palace, Ian. Not because West Ham playing a fifty four, fifty seven, or sixty six thousand seater stadium. Well. We're going, to, we're going to move on before we carry on on the London stage. We're going to move on because we've got a lot to cover. Um, I'm going to throw one thing in before I do the next thing in the running order. Um, good friend of the podcast, Leon Hyde, who was the DJ at West Ham, came up with an idea. Um, he said, why not appoint 
uh, Kevin Nolan, who's who's done really good things at Notts County, with Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, and Scott Parker as his backroom team. Do you think that would work? No. I think he's playing dream team. <laughs> you don't think Kevin Nolan? You talked about getting people from low league. He's no, done quite uh, well. to be fair, I think Kevin Nolan is actually going about it the right way. He's doing very well at Notts County. He actually did well at Orient before that lunatic sacked him, the Italian. He's gone to Notts County, he's done well there. Actually, perhaps in a year and a half or two years' time, when whoever the next manager is leaves, hopefully, perhaps Kevin Nolan has proved himself again higher up, either with Notts County in the next league, to be given the chance. I would not be sad at the moment to see Kevin Nolan come back to this club. Okay, all right, fair enough. I'm just going to talk to you. Um, Clarence Hugh Pohl, famous Clarence Hugh Pohl, uh, 3,715, uh, just before I went. Polls. Polls. Um, vote for your... How many polls you've won, isn't it? 3,715. <laughs> who who would you like as your next manager? The fans decide. Gus Hooding got 25% of the vote. Uh, Ronald Koeman got 19%. Terry Wesley got a surprising 12%. Alan Pardew got 10%. Redknapp got 8%. Allardyce got 7%. Billage only got 6%. And Moyes only got 2%. Uh, we did it from only available managers. I think 10% was the, was the rest if, if they were available. Uh, where, where would you uh, pick in, in that group, Nigel? Well, now he's been sacked, I'll talk about cool. it. Um, hmm. Me, I would... I, I think you missed someone. <laughs> Don't laugh. And that is Frank De Boer. Okay. Frank De Boer went to the wrong football club and followed the wrong manager. He was left with long ball players at a club that did not play football to the football that he played at Ajax. So it, it, the ball can only blame himself for going to Crystal Palace in the first place. I think with a club like West Ham, with the players we got, we'd see them a lot better outcome. Ian, same question to you. Well, it would be a brave board that took De Boer on, I think, after Crystal Palace. Yeah. But I, I would take the point. Um, of that list, well, I wouldn't have picked Allardyce. I think an approach was made to Allardyce, but I'm told that he wanted £8 million pounds yeah. to come back to West Ham. Wow. So if an approach was made... Wouldn't you love to have been Sam Allardyce just <laughs> when that phone <laughs> call happened? <laughs> well, I, I presume it was done through intermediaries, but I mean... Anyway, um, of that list, I would probably go for Cumin because I think Cumin is is a good manager. He was excellent at Southampton. It just and he was excellent in the first year at Everton. Um, I think, and he was excellent at Ajax. Yeah, I think he's a hard taskmaster, and I think that's partly what we need now. Um, I would have picked Pardew over Moyes. I have to say, uh, Pardew. I mean, you obviously have to give the supply a few chastity belts around the place, but um, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> um, but I, I really liked Pardew as manager. But he's he is one of these managers that is brilliant for a few months and then is awful for a few months. These teams are never consistent throughout a season. If you had a sort of like a, a, a second half of the season plus the first half of the next season, he would win a league, but he, he's just not consistent enough. But he, I loved watching him on the touchline because he really did sort of, he was very emotional. He, he, I think the crowd really took to him. Uh, people don't remember that now, but they did. Um, so as a temporary measure, I, I would have probably gone for him over Moyes. I, 
Uh, I emailed David Sullivan last night and said, please, please don't do this. Um, to no avail. <laughs> no. But, uh, well, you don't know. Well, let me, I, let me I just before we move on, I mean, I understand uh, Redknapp and, and Gus Hooding, I think, are considered too old, whether they would actually want to take it on or whether we would want to... Sullivan hates Redknapp. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go that <laughs> I wasn't going to go that harsh, Ian, but uh, <laughs> I won't actually say what they... Uh, uh, that someone has said to me. Um, Gus Hudding, not uh, you know, they didn't think he would actually take on the job at his age. Not sure he's, he's up for the challenge. Cooman uh, didn't get very good reports from the dressing room. Apparently, he lost the players and, and wasn't very well liked in, in the dressing room. Terry Wesley, um, I think, had a little go at Derby, but I don't think he's got the skill set to take over West Ham, even though he got a lot of the um, the vote. Pardew, um, I think he's failed a number of times and they wouldn't want him back at the club. Allardyce, as we know, would want a King's Ransom, as you've already said. Bilic has been sacked. So, it leaves a nice link. There's the Moyes was the only person left, really, even though he only got 2% well, of the vote. Quick Koeman stat. Go on. Quick Koeman stat. Yeah, every season in the Premier League, you finished above West Ham. Is it? Yeah. So, he's only had four, hasn't he? I mean, uh, yeah, but there's, there's only about four managers actually with that can say that. I think four or five managers. Would you say Cumin is is supposed to be a disciplinarian, but apparently he he just lost the dressing room completely in the end at Everton. Well, at, you know, you've just said we've had an holiday camp, yeah. yeah, and the players and Bilic has lost the players. So now you get Koeman, who's a disciplinarian, or what, and he loses the dressing room. So that I think you, you know, need to have a balance. We need to know about professional football. Well, you need a balance. Anyway, that's we want to move on. Obviously, we all know the next manager is going to be David Moyes. Let's not beat around the bush, right? We know it's been leaked. Um, I think he may take over as, as soon as Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday. Um, I think it will be announced tomorrow. Um, and I think he will take training tomorrow. We're going to look absolute dicks if he doesn't get appointed, aren't well, we? He will be. I, I mean, he hasn't well, signed. Let's, let's be clear. Sean does. He hasn't signed on the dotted line. He has not signed his contract. But, um, you know, a deal's in place. I understand that he's been offered £2 million for six months, including his backroom staff, which he's yet, yet to pick. Uh, yes, like any transfer or anything else, he's got to sign his contract. And he hasn't signed his contract yet, so you're right. Until he signs his contract, he's not our manager. But but barring all that, I believe he will be signing. He wants to prove himself. So um, we, we're talking about... I, I wrote a blog this morning saying the case for David Moyes. But before I, I, I make my case, uh, I'm, I'm going to hear from the defence, from, from Ian Dale... Because uh, I know you're, you, you um, as you said, wrote to Ian Dale, uh, sorry, Ian Dale, you're Ian Dale, uh, <laughs> wrote to David Sullivan asking him not to employ David Moyes. What, what is your problem with, with uh, David Moyes? Um, failure, really. He failed. He did a good job at Everton, there's no doubt about it, on a very limited budget. He, he did put together a, a team that probably overperformed year on year. Uh, he was recommended to Manchester United by Alex Ferguson. Well, you don't get a much better, rem better recommendation than that. And that was always going to be a difficult job. 
um, but he clearly failed in that job. He then went to Spain, utterly failed in that job, and then went to Sunderland, and again, utterly failed in that job. Now, you can make all sorts of excuses for why he failed in those three different jobs, and, and I hope that I'm going to be proved absolutely wrong on this. But uh, I don't like the style of football that he generally plays. It, it's not a particularly attractive style, and I know we have all this stuff about the West Ham way and all the, all the rest of it, but he, he's probably not quite... Uh, on the Allardyce scale in terms of ugly football but he's not far off um, he will be much more of a disciplinarian he will probably get the team a lot fitter and with the with the individual players that we've got um, if if he gets us relegated with this team then I mean we might as well all give up because we should not be relegated with these players we know we were what was it in 2000 and what was it 2001 2002 with all those fantastic players we have so we know it can happen um, I don't believe David Moyes even David Moyes can get us relegated with these players but he's not somebody who fills me with any inspiration I don't I didn't like that interview he did on Sunday with Richard Keyes where he was almost like a vulture picking over Billich's corpse I thought that was a pretty disgusting thing to have done I've, I don't think I can ever remember seeing a manager do that before um, okay you can say well the die was cast at that point so why shouldn't he say he was interested in the job but that didn't sit well with me um, but I wish him well. He's, he's gonna, he is going to be our new manager, so I absolutely wish him well, and I hope I'm proved wrong on every single thing I've just said. Right. <laughs> I'm going to put my case for David Moyes, and then we'll let we'll let uh, uh, Nigel come in. I, I I think he was unlucky. I was listening to something on Talk Sport earlier, and said, you know, Sunderland was a basket case. Uh, he should never have taken the job. He wasn't given any money, and it it was a bad judgment for him to take that because it, it scarred him, as Tony Gale said um, on Sky Today, and uh, it, it tarnished his reputation. You know, he was Sir Alex Ferguson's successor. He named uh, him as his successor, one of the greatest uh, managers ever. You know, he, he didn't do that to commit him to failure. It was always going to be a tough job to follow at Man United. But that said, if you look at um, how many uh, their win records, you know, um, he, he had a 48% win rate at Preston North End, um, followed by 42 at Everton and, and 50, nearly 53 uh, at Manchester United. It wasn't enough to keep him at Manchester United, but by any standards and West Ham standards, it's good. And what we really care about is points per game. So so West Ham managers, well, Slavin Bilic averaged 1.31 uh, compared with Alish, Alan Kerbishley. Uh, I think got 1.32. Uh, 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 no, it was it's Darren Village got 1.33 actually. Um, Alan Kerbsy got 1.32, and and Harry Redknapp 1.31. He got much better than that. Um, he got 1.73 at Old Trafford and 1.52. Yeah. How can you compare that with uh, with West Ham? Look at the players well, he had at his disposal. What he well when he was Everton. Oh, right, Man United, yes, but when he was at Everton, he always did things with small budgets. You know, he picked up. He didn't have the best players when, at the ten years or eleven years he was at Everton, you can't say he had the best players, and yet he still got a good average. And I think he's a very disciplined manager. And, th and the other thing I'm going to say is he won League Manager Association Manager of the Year three times. The only one to beat him again, Sir Alex Ferguson, who got it four times. 
So you've got to look back. Have you always been a fan of David Moyes, Sean? Well, I haven't always been a fan of David Moyes. (laughs) Yeah, I I, think so. But but I have seen the light. I've done some research, right? (laughs) I've done some research. Like a puppet on a string. Hang on a minute. He got Everton into the Champions League. He got them into an FA Cup final. Let's just, let's be positive, right? Let's get behind the manager and say, let's have the Everton David Moyes, you know, that found Wayne Rooney and gave him a chance. And that found Ross but the Burke Everton gave. David Moyes was, what, five, six, so, seven does he lose years it? ago? Like, like uh, Tony Gowell said earlier, who's, who's one who said, Very you know, he, he, you remember he was at Everton for 11 years. 4,082 days at Everton. He he built up that experience. You don't just lose it. You don't become a bad manager overnight. He's still got that experience. And that's why they've recruited him. And I hope, and I'm sure we all want to get behind him, and hope that he wants to prove everybody wrong to show that, um, you know, his time in Spain um, and his time with Sunderland were just a blip on his career. And he proves everybody wrong and that he's a really good manager. How much transfer budget do you think he's been given for January? He has been, gi- or he will be given, because he's not been appointed yet. He will be given. We did keep quite a lot of it back because we didn't spend on it. I think he will be given quite a lot, but he will also be given the money to reinvest. So if we want to get rid of an AU and Andy Carroll, etc., I think he will be given 100% to reinvest of that money. And I will think... That's a five, get, You won't get real value in January. We all know that. Um, he will be given. They're not going to let um, him spend much in January. If he's not, if he's only there till the end of the season, um, they're not, they're not going to push the boat out in January. Well, I'm, I'm sure. You know, look, there's one thing that everybody else has missed. Do you know who who is in charge of recruitment at West Ham? Tony Henry. Who is Tony Henry? He work, He's Dave Sullivan's chief scout, and he's also worked at Everton for six or seven years with David Correct. Moyes. Exactly. Exactly. They work together. Um, they work really well together. And I think my understanding it was it's it's Tony Henry that really recommended David Moyes uh, and and uh, sung his praises. Well, it certainly wasn't Hernandez, was it? <laughs> well, we will wait and see on that. Nigel, let's bring you in as 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 the neutral on this. You, you've you've heard the case for the defence and prosecution. Where do you sit with David Moyes? I'll just point out that all previous comments were brought to you in association with West Ham United Holdings and West Ham United <laughs> Football Club. <laughs> 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 Did your microphone fall over again there, Nigel? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what propaganda is, Sean? No. It's, it's, it's what Cockneys do it's when we look. have a good look about. <laughs> Are you suggesting that I'm pro... Um, David Moyes just for comedy value or entertainment value for this podcast no I actually somehow think you some do believe it as well strangely look listen I'll paint a picture David Moyes would be acceptable as West Ham manager if we just hired him from Everton and we were still at the bowling and we were just trundling along the reason, and therefore he would have been a good West Ham appointment. So if he'd come in after Pardew, or if he'd come in after Kerbishley, because let's face it, Kerbishley and Moyes probably play the same style of football. Kerbishley's more palatable, because he was born in West Ham and grew up a West Ham kid and played for us. So 
Moyes don't have that attachment. Now, his record at Everton, bearing in mind West Ham and Everton, in my book, a similar size club, you can say was outstanding. Uh, they had lean years, but then they had, I think, uh, five of the last seven years, he qualified for Europe, including once the Champions League, even though they got knocked out in the first stage of qualifying. But anyway, they still finished fourth. They still got there. I think he finished fourth twice. I think he did not finish fourth and then Liverpool won the Champions League as well um, and took their qualifying spot. I don't know, but they, he did get him in the top four. He, he qualified for Europe. So therefore, he's quite a good fit for Old West Ham. Yep. Old West Ham was killed in 2016. We're now onto London United oh, with the promises of everything. Well, no, this is the thing. Here we go again, because even I'm bored of saying it, but what you fail to realise is the fan backlash about David Moyes is all down to the propaganda the club put out in the seven years, that they're, seven and a half years, approaching eight years they've been there, about all this, don't worry, we're going to change this club. In, seven, in 2010, they said seven years' time, we'll have Champions League football. I mean, there's not bit, you know, perhaps in eight years, we may have championship football, if it don't work out. But, it, and it all boils down to the, the 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 spin and the lot and I don't want to say lies, the, the the economical with the truths that they put out in the period leading up to this. Now they've got here, it's time to put up. The problem is, which I've said on day one, it bores me saying it now. Is I always said they can't put up because they haven't got the ability to do it, and this leads us now to where we replace Slavin Bilic with David Moyes and that's so, why he's not acceptable is he acceptable to me yes he yes. is acceptable to me because again I live in reality and I didn't believe a word those people said ok alright fair enough you get the final word for once um, 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 now we're going to go for this So earlier today, I said Shebman, a.k.a. Nigel Khan, Ian Dale and Sean will be podcasting tonight after the Liverpool defeat, discussing the sack in the Savin Village and the, the appointment of the next manager, uh, David Moyes. Uh, Gary Prince says, How happy is Sean now? He got the stadium he loves. Village is now out and the board is still in place. Everything is wanted. How happy is he? Well, I... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy, although... You know, I, I'm apprehensive like everybody else on, on David Moyes. You know, he's got to prove himself. And I, what we can't do, and I think we all agree, is get relegated. I, I, I worry that there's some fans who would love us to see us relegated now. <laughs> I think you're one of them, Michael. <laughs> do you know what? I'll I tell you, that is not true. I would not love to see West Ham relegated. But as I've always said, it's an occupational hazard for West Ham. And I don't fear relegation. It, it don't bother me to be fair because I still go over there. So whether we're playing Man United or Mansfield, I'll still be there. So yeah, it, that don't bother me. But hmm, I'll stop just there. let you know, Al Baloa uh, um, has, has just tweeted. Have you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> About timer, isn't it, or something he said something to, to like the that. news at Slamville? Yeah. 
They didn't get on. They had one hell of a big bust up. That's another story. Ed Hughes says, sick of Hammers fans. Bilic has been awful for 18 months, despite despite being a thoroughly nice bloke. For the past six weeks, a vast majority of fans wanted him out. The, today, the ball got rid, and the fans are screaming out, get rid of Moyes. We have to support them or we'll go down. Moyes is no fool. At Preston and North End and Everton, he did well. At Man, <laughs> Man United, when you compare him to Van Gaal, he didn't do too bad. Let's face it. He asked for Ronaldo and Bale and was given Fellaini. Um, I worked in St. Sebastian when he was at Sociedad Boss and the fans generally liked him because he introduced stability and a few youngsters got blooded in. At Sunderland he was doomed to fail and the club are in free fall before he arrived with an ancient team. It's a place where careers go and die. Fundamentally, we must give him a chance. Anything else is disgusting behaviour, no matter what you think of the board. Has he got a point? Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. You think fans are too quick to... Listen, I ain't going to name names or start spats again, but people out there have been shouting, Billy Chat, Billy Chat, Billy Chat, and then when Moyes turns up, they're all going, well, Moyes, you know, oh, this is not what we want, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, you got what you want. You, you got Billy Chat. This is, you know, be careful what you wish for territory. Yeah. Well, Nick Harvey says, I'm all out of rants. Yes, Bilic had to go, but that should have been at the end of last season. Moyes is just about the worst possible choice and just shows what a mess Sullivan and his co-conspirators have got us in by not acting in summer. I can only see it getting worse before it gets better. Hashtag Moyes out. By the way, I was contacted by um, Odds Changer. Uh, or checker rather website and they sent me a press conf- uh, a release today saying 83% of all bets placed today were on West Ham to be relegated at 9-4 to four. do you think we get relegated Ian? Well, there's a lot of Millwall fans doing that aren't there? <laughs> uh, no I don't think we'll get relegated I, I really don't because uh, and I do feel what would happen to us if we were relegated um, but I, I I just can't. I just cannot bring myself to contemplate it. But then again, we've been in this situation before where we thought it wouldn't happen, uh, and it has. Uh, but we haven't got Avram Grant in charge this time, or Glenn Roder. True. Tim Sharman says the board have let fans down over and over again. How can the loyal fans, not selfie-taking, popcorn-eating day trippers, let the board know how we feel about their lies? Moving to take us to the next le- next level, attracting big name players, Champions League, etc., etc. What is this, uh, Nigel? I know you're not a spokesman for all balled out people, but what what is it that people continually blame the board for everything, including I heard earlier blaming them about the scaffolding under the seats, saying they promised retractable seating, and it was a lie; it never came. One, it wasn't in their gift. And two, who cares what seat you sit on? It's a stick that they can be beaten with. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and, you know, I, you know, I know that you can argue about the retractable seating. It's actually in the correct position it should be, whether it moved backwards and forwards. And whether it moves backwards or forwards or not is not a West Ham's problem. But when Karen Brady was putting out all her promo videos, propaganda, you know, she made claims. World-class teams 
world-class players in a world-class stadium. That's an actual quote from her. As you know, I've yeah, it's marketing. It. I've it it's up, marketing. No, no, it's no, marketing. No, 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 no. Listen, you, you market at customers, not at fans. We're not customers. We're fans. When people say to me, why well, do you still go there? I go, because this ain't Sainsbury's. This ain't Tesco's where I go down to Lidl's or Aldi's. This is West Ham and I'm bloody stuck with them. This is the thing. The reason why they're beaten like that is because they came up with that crap to fool the people into thinking that it was going to change. The w one thing I've always said is the worst thing that could happen to West Ham in that stadium is we stay as West Ham United, just in a different ground. But that's what's happened. In a way, it's, okay. it, it's good for me because I sit there and go, well, actually, this is the West Ham I know and love. It's a circus. <laughs> so actually, the, 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 the sadomasochist in me quite enjoys it because I think well, I actually, know you do. we're still well, I was right so that's what he's got in his shed but, yeah exactly but the fact is they promised something and it's it's turning to dust the problem is people haven't waited long enough to see if it'll come true or not okay anyway we must move on Dan Brazil says Moy's out I will always support the players right up until the end but now the manager including Billich I cannot muster anything the spent force that is David Moyes what a shit time for our club. Um, I hope I'm wrong, he says at the end. Yeah, uh, we all hope you're wrong on that. Um, Egg Fawthorn says, I keep on telling myself it can't get worse. Then I look where Sunderland are in the championship table. And here's hoping the board knows something we all don't. Nevertheless, I will back the manager. Come on, you irons. There does... Do you, do you think... That, I know 2% only wanted him. Do you think when he is appointed that in the end fans will get behind him Ian well we're a fickle lot aren't we if he wins the first three games everyone I mean you'll be doing a podcast in a month's time where uh, everyone's saying oh I never thought he could do that that mm. six nil victory against Watford that was something else wasn't it um, let's let's hope that happens I know it's but, 10 o'clock Ian but you um, need to wake up son I know I need my dinner <laughs> I mean, I just don't know. Uh, look, we've got all everybody who thinks that he's the wrong appointment is going to wait for proof that they were right, I suppose. Um, I, I'll take absolutely no pleasure at all in sort of like six months' time in March um, if we are absolutely deep in the mire. Um, who's going to take any pleasure from that at all? We've all got to wish him well. He has got players there who are capable of performing at the very highest level. What he's got to do is make them perform as a team and make them perform over 90 minutes. We know they can perform over 45 minutes or 30 minutes because they've proved it time and time again this season. But to get them to perform over 90 minutes, the same 90 minutes in the same game, that's what he's got to prove he can do. Now, he, he ought to be able to do that. Um, but let, let's see. OK. Um there's many more comments. We haven't got time to do them all because we're already running over, but I'm going to give the last comment to Phil Walker, who says, we have to get behind Moyes, even though he wasn't the choice of many. Let's start with an open mind. Supporters Club is fantastic, by the way, and a few people have said, I don't know if you've... Uh, in, in fact, Ian, your ears must have been burning because we said, uh, John and George were saying they need to meet you, and they said, let's get Ian down to the Supporters Club. So, um, um, Where's that? That's <laughs> just... Do you want to explain? Oh, that? I no, no, that no. Either. Not the Castle Street one. Sounds, it's very arty. You'll like it, Ian. It's, yeah, it's you'll sour. fit right in there, actually. 
What do you mean well, by it's that? It's not an art gallery. You'll be a- it is an art gallery, yeah. Is this is this near where Foreman's yes. Fish Factory is? Yes. Because I go there, I go there before the game. Quite yeah, often. it's a it's a bit more down market than the. the fish so it's factory. sort of like round the corner, sort of on the same street as where that little sort of supermarket thing is. Yes, Star Place. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, it, let's do that then. We'll do that anyway. Uh, only time for I know it's international break, but let's talk about predictions. Um, let's assume David Moyes is in charge. Um, we play Watford away. What's your prediction? Start with you, Ian. Uh, two nil victory. Noble scores a penalty, and Carroll scores a winner. Wow. Nigel. Uh, it's my birthday, or the day before my Ooh. birthday. So I'm going to the game. Um, I, I'm grateful that he's got an away game to start with because we're better away from home than we are at home. And if he can beat Watford, he'll get the fans on his side. I think we will beat Watford, but it'll probably be. Like a two-one, and I, I think I will go for my famous one-nil because, as my son tells me, that something like most the the most games finish one-nil if you look at all the statistics. So I'm going to go for my famous a one-nil win. But there you go. We're all positive under Moyes to get his first win on his first game. Um, I think that's about it. Um, I have been Sean. Ian has been. Ian. Uh, Nigel has been office man uh, and that's it um, one thing to say come on you irons Bobby Moore. come on you irons more than just a podcast Bobby Moore more than just a podcast Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.